The blind stares of a million pairs of eyes Looking hard but won't realize That they will never see the pee Oh man Oh man Oh man Oh man Oh, oh, oh man Oh man Greedy Greedy <laughs> All right Yes, sir. We're right back at it here on a Thursday night, bringing you a brand new edition of All Eyes on Cleveland, getting you ready for the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati on Sunday. Today, we have special guest James Rapine of Sports Illustrated. He also is the publisher of All Bengals. He hosts Locked on Bengals and the Bengals Brawl podcast. He's a busy man, lots of bangles, lots of information. We'll get him for a solid 20 minutes to break down everything going on in Cincinnati and with those bangles. Plus, we'll talk a little trade deadline as it's starting to heat up. The trade deadline is getting a little getting a little hot, getting a little hot in the kitchen, as uh, Tomlin would say, Mike, Tom, Mike T would say. Uh, plus, we'll talk about our keys to the game and a couple other points that we want to make before the huge game on Sunday that the Browns most definitely need to win. You start getting excited. It's all eyes on Cleveland. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, in full effect, we are back. All eyes on Cleveland, and my name is Brad Ward. Mikey is on the ones and twos. We are proud to present another episode of the show for you. Uh, you can catch our episodes, all of our episodes, including yesterday's with Michael Ragai, tonight's uh, Bengals preview with James Rapine, uh, on all popular uh, podcast platforms, including iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, Radio, TuneIn app, Radio.com, and Google Play. We'll publish the uh, episodes at the website, alleyesoncleveland.com. If you go there and visit, you can check out the shop, check out the shirts. They're pretty popular. Um, and as well, while you're there, you can leave a voicemail for us. If you want to get a hot take or get in on a audio mailbag edition of the show, certainly leave us your thoughts. I will play them live on the air. I have no qualms about that. Um, and then, you know, leave us a review for sure. If you hate what we're doing, let us know. We just want to get better. If you love it, even better. All Eyes on Cleveland tonight is presented by Thrive Fantasy App. Mikey, go ahead and kill that. <laughs> uh, Thrive Fantasy app does prop bets, daily fantasy sports prop bets. They give you like 15 prop bets to pick from. You pick your 10 favorite, the ones that you think that you can get correct, um, and that's how you score points. No lineups, no going against the pros where you have to face a guy that's entering you know, 150 lineups here, 150 lineups in another one, um, and just uh, being able to use a, 
you know, one click of the button and, and he gets an optimizer that gives him uh, 300 different iterations of a lineup, you have no chance, right? Well, this gives you a chance to win that cache, get that side hustle going. Thrive Fantasy app prop bets. Use the promo code EYEZ as in all eyes on Cleveland. That's EYEZ, the promo code. When you sign up today and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. So thanks to Thrive Fantasy for sponsoring All Eyes on Cleveland tonight. Um, Our uh, guest tonight is James Rapine. James Rapine used to work at 92.3 here in Cleveland. Very familiar with the Browns. Um, I think he did some of the Indians beat for a while. Um, And then, uh, but he's from Cincinnati. And uh, he is all over the Bengals beat now as he does uh, a reporter for Sports Illustrated. Um, he's publishing at, uh, at all, all bangles, it's called a website. Um, and, uh, also you can follow that at all bangles on Twitter. Uh, he is the host of locked on bangles podcast and the bangles brawl podcast. So, uh, interestingly enough, uh, he has all of that covered and we're going to get to him right now cause he's. Got his uh, thoughts on the game, and we'll get this interview knocked out. Fantastic stuff from James Rapine, as always, like we always do here on All Eyes on Cleveland. Enjoy the interview. And we are thrilled to bring in uh, our Bengals expert, resident Bengals expert. Uh, He does uh, a ton of Bengals work. James, I don't know when you would stop if I read this uh, your credentials here. Uh, James Rapine, uh, Bengals reporter, publisher at All Bengals, host of Locked on Bengals, uh, and now also Bengals Brawl uh, podcast. Uh, how are we doing, James? I'm well, Brad. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, we are back with the Browns and Bengals just for, what, four weeks, five weeks later here. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, as the schedule lays out, um, I want to get to real quickly before we jump into the Bengals. Did you uh, have you been paying attention to things going on with the Browns? Probably a little bit, right? Oh yeah, definitely paying yeah. attention. Absolutely. Where, what's your take? So Baker Mayfield's t- getting uh, absolutely drilled this week. Um, just taking an absolute beating. National media, local media, all around, uh, and you know they got killed by the Steelers. Uh, where are you at with the with the Browns at this point? Look, I, I think that they're a playoff team, and, and they're right where I had them after six weeks. It's funny. Uh, before week two and, and that Ravens blowout, it, it felt like the walls were closing in on the Browns a bit, and it was such a must-win. And, and it, I wouldn't call it a must-win now, uh, you know, like it was in week two, but it certainly feels like Very a— Very similar. Uh, yeah, it, it feels like the— that people are doubting the Browns again. And, and you know, it's it's really a, a soft landing spot if you're a Browns fan. You're playing a Bengals team. Yeah, it was close, 35-30 from a point standpoint, but you dominated that game in week two. So looking uh, at them, I think 4-2 is about what you expected after six games. And, and I think their overall outlook is fine. You look at their upcoming schedule, 
they're uh, they're about where I expected them to be, and I, I had them as a playoff team. So if you're a Browns fan, look, you're not going to beat every great team, and I think the the Steelers are better than we thought clearly coming into the year, and uh, the Ravens are arguably the best roster in the NFL. So th- those are two really good teams to lose to. You, you can take your lumps there and still feel good about yourself. Okay. Interesting stuff. Good. Thank you. And uh, once again, this is All Eyes on Cleveland. Special guest tonight, James Rapine, for getting you ready for Bengals week here. Uh, second time around in Cincinnati. Uh, okay. Is Joe Burrow going to throw it 61 times again this weekend? <laughs> No, no. No. I I think that Zach Taylor and the Bengals hope that never happens again. They will do it. They will do that if the game plan, you know, if they just have to rip up the game plan and do that. But I I think they're clearly going to try to get Joe Mixon involved early, try to control the game a little bit more, slow down the Browns offense, which really couldn't be stopped in week two. So and that was a really weird outlier type game. I mean, it was just the whole time and hard to get a read on it. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if this game is much different, uh, maybe not from a result standpoint, but from a an overall play and execution standpoint on Sunday. I think the plan, certainly, get Joe Mixon involved, assuming he plays. And mm-hmm. uh, and if not, you know, it'll still be Giovanni Bernard and uh, probably Samaj Pirine would be the two guys that they would uh, roll with. So, yeah, I think uh, I think Zach Taylor and the Bengals hope the, the result is different, certainly. But just the overall execution and gameplay during that 60-minute contest is different on Sunday. Yeah, so we're going to see if Mixon plays. You expect to see this, the run offense, you know, uh, much more than we did the first time around, right? Right, exactly. And, and, and that's sort of the key to me. I mean, if you can run the ball and stop the run on Sunday if you're the Bengals, I like your chances. And, yeah. And those are two things that they – did a little bit against the Colts. They were able to slow down that run game. Um, Jonathan Taylor and company, even though he had a good yards per carry average. But the problem was they couldn't get to Phillip Rivers, and they made him look like it was 2008 Phillip Rivers. And so that's the other thing here. I know a lot of people are concerned about Baker, but you flash back to week two, and that's his arm is what gave him that lead. It wasn't the running game. The running game is what clinched it in the second half. His arm is what did it, and, and I wouldn't be shocked at all if they go that route again, um, given the Bengals' issues on defense, specifically William Jackson the third, who's still dealing with a concussion. Interesting. Interesting. Um, okay, so Joe Burrow, his evolution as a quarterback, um, and and then you can kind of encompass the team in this as well. How different of a team is this than we faced five weeks ago? Has he evolved uh, he's throwing, it seems to me he's throwing the ball down the field more where we saw a lot of uh, underneath and check down stuff um, in week two. Um, has he grown as a quarterback? Absolutely. I, I think 100%. He completed his longest passes of the season last week to T. Higgins, a 67-yarder down the, the near sideline. Higgins beat his man on a double move, and I think that's the biggest difference from a skill position standpoint here. T. Higgins has kind of emerged yes. for this offense. He's, you know, if you're a fantasy football player, you're probably aware of it. But if not, 85 is going to be heavily involved he, in the he, Bengals game plan on Sunday. 
he lo- just looks freakish out there. He looks so big. It's it's incredible. Um, yeah, so so we see Burroughs' evolution and then the team. Now, there seems to be – what's going on with the Bengals team? Uh, there seems to be some kind of a sense that maybe – and may, you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but Bengals fans maybe or – uh, I don't know if if you feel this way that Zach Taylor has maybe lost that locker room a little bit. Is there some kind of uh, rift in there going on? I, uh, I I wouldn't say lost the locker room. I do think the Bengals are on shaky ground. Right? We were talking about the Browns and yes. how this could be you know a get right game, so to speak, after a blowout. Well, the Bengals had a twenty-one to nothing lead against the Colts. They were yes. one, three and one. It felt like they were going to get to two, three and one and kind of feel good about themselves going into this week. And that didn't happen. And so now this week it is, man, we could easily be four and two if we would have beat the chargers, which they easily could have week one. If you think back to that game, you had the missed field goal at the end. You had yep. the offensive pass interference that was caught on the game winning touchdown that AJ green caught. They handily lost to the Browns, but the very next week they tie the Eagles and uh, and then they they lose to the Ravens and beat the Jags and uh, and then you lose to the Colts so they feel like they should be four and two well you're one four and one and mm-hmm. you can feel all you want about how you should be but if you don't start winning then people are going to get frustrated specifically veterans like Carlos Dunlap who isn't happy with his role uh, they've had guys like Auden Tate his agent put out. Not a trade demand, but floated a trade idea when he was a healthy scratch against the Browns back in week two. Well, this past week, John Ross's agent did the same thing and actually asked the Bengals for a trade, according to reports. So you got a lot of guys that are working hard still by all accounts, Brad. So they're they're, when they show up, they're still busting their ass. But I think there are there are some guys that are doubting the message now. And the more losing that you do, as you've seen in Cleveland the less belief the players, the coaches, or the players, the fans, everybody has in the coaching staff. And we're starting to see little seeds of that. If they win on Sunday, you know, that changes a bit. Yeah. It puts things off for a week. But I certainly think it's a huge game for the Bengals on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, when I look at this game, I'm actually a little bit scared of it as a Browns fan. It feels a little bit like a trap game with Las Vegas the week after. You're coming off the blowout. You want to bounce back and everything, and you were able to do that in week two. But this Bengals team just feels like a much better team than their record says when you look at the way they blew the lead against Indy uh, and then, you know, the close game against the Chargers and whatnot. It's, it seems like they can play with anybody, right, um, on any given day, so, which is, you know, how it is throughout the league. But it seems like they've had their chances mm-hmm. um and uh that's scary for the browns especially i think right now where they are in a little bit of a uh vulnerable state i guess i would say um Bengals spent a lot of money in free agency uh you know expectations were probably not like playoffs but probably a little bit better than what they are right now do you think that zach taylor's job is in trouble potentially Potentially. It depends on how much this snowballs. And that's kind of the key here. Can he right the ship and get a couple of wins? And and the last week would have been a huge one. This week, certainly even bigger. Because I look at this schedule and it's the Titans next week, then a bye, then the Steelers. Yikes. 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 Seriously. You guys saw that run defense in week two. Well, imagine Derrick Henry and the Bengals have lost DJ Reader for the season, who was easily their best interior defensive lineman. I mean, that's 
that's scary. So you're potentially, if you lose Sunday to the Browns, which I feel like is the, the most likely outcome, right? The Browns should win on Sunday. Well, then you're looking at potentially going one, seven and one through nine games. Mm-hmm. That is, and there are some, you know, winnable games at the back end of the schedule, the Giants, Washington, um, I'm trying to think of who Dallas, I think could be potentially be a winning, uh, a potential win just because of how bad that defense is. But at the end of the day, that's not that's not what you can only bank on. You know, you, you need to have a couple wins here because you're probably going to lose to one of those teams. And may, you, maybe you drop a game to Miami. And the bottom line is, is this team, Brad, has lost games or tied games this year that they should have won. I'm yes. not going to say they should have won all three of those games that I just mentioned, but they should have beat Philly. They should have beat the Colts. And, and so if they would have had those two wins – it would feel much different. And so if we're looking at Zach Taylor, who was 2-14 and 14 last year, if he finishes 3-12-1, even 4-11-1, is that enough to give him another year, to give him a, another opportunity with Joe Burrow, knowing that the clock on that rookie contract is ticking? That's a, it's a big question. Whew. So I think he definitely needs to win some games. Yeah, that's a that's an enormous question for the organization. Certainly, uh, as far as uh, you know, wasting an entire year potentially, or or getting it right, you know, one versus one versus the other. Uh, so the Bengals defense, real quickly, I just want to touch on that. Um, you know, the Browns were able to do kind of what they wanted to uh, offensively against the Bengals defense. Has that still been an issue? Uh, where, where do they? Where do you stand with the Bengals defense, and what can we expect on Sunday from them? I uh, I think that they're – it depends. It's like yin and yang. There are some weeks – I thought they played well against the Ravens in week five, even though it was a blowout loss. The offense was dreadful yeah. on uh, on that day, and they had some turnovers, and, and Burrow was confused really for the first time. Uh, and then as far as the, the consistency, I mean that's the key. And part of it is they've had injuries. DJ Reader I mentioned on injured reserve. Mike Daniels. Yep. On injured reserve, there's a chance that he plays Sunday. I, I don't think it's likely, but there is a chance. They did activate him from injured reserve, that 21-day window on Wednesday, so maybe he plays. But right now you're dealing with a, a banged-up defensive line. They signed Xavier Williams last week. He played a ton. They're relying on Imani Bledsoe, another guy that no one's probably heard of. Right. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of who else. Geno Atkins has played but he's been ineffective and in, in played 30% of the snaps over the past couple of weeks. So maybe he can get out there and play more snaps after missing the first four games with the shoulder injury. But, yeah, this defense has been inconsistent. And if, they're, if they don't have William Jackson the third, then you're definitely going to have to bracket Odell, which opens the run game up some. It opens things up with Jarvis Landry. And I know he's banged up, but one-on-one Jarvis Landry, even with a broken rib against – Mackenzie Alexander, I think he's going to win his fair share in the slot there. And then that also, what that does is it means that these tight ends are going to be going up against the linebackers here and there. And that's just, it's tough. I don't know what the Bengals are going to do necessarily, but uh, I do know that they've been really inconsistent. And, And heck, week two, they were rough, and then they played well against the Ravens a few weeks later. They, they played well against the Jaguars, who I think have a relatively explosive offense at times. Yeah. And, and, and so we'll see which defense shows up. But to me, the two keys, stopping the run, which they've showed flashes of, even though they have had some, some issues with that, specifically in week two. And then the other thing, they're going to have to get the Baker. Put some heat on him, right? He's been banged up. We saw last week those, those devastating hits 
at the hands of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Can this Bengals front four and even front seven put some pressure on Mayfield? They didn't last week against Rivers, and he torched them. If they mm-hmm. can't put pressure on Mayfield, heck, he's had a ton of success against the Bengals, and I would expect that to continue if they don't hit him early and often on Sunday. Some good keys right there, definitely. Uh, uh, sounds good there. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with James Rapine. Just another minute or two here with you, James, and I'll let you go. I know you're a busy man. Um, Bengals are coming. Are, is there going to be a, a fire sale here if things don't go well? Um, are you looking at players potentially getting traded? And two-part question for you. Is David Njoku for John Ross a real thing? <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, let's start with the David Njoku thing. Um, no, here's why it's not a real thing. Okay. One, I don't know if the Browns would do it. They should, actually. I'm a, I'm a John Ross believer, by the way. Okay. They absolutely should. I think I, I know people love Hollywood Higgins, but what Ross would bring – you're trying to make the playoffs in Cleveland, right? Yes. Well, what Ross would bring – you want to double Odell? Oh, okay. Well, we have Jarvis in the slot, and we have this guy who's faster than anyone else on the field. And the Bengals, there, there's certainly been – a lot of discussion and debate on whether or not they used him properly. So if I'm the Browns, absolutely I would. I just don't think, especially if you're not going to use David Njoku, but yeah. I just don't think that there's a path for them to make a deal, the Bengals to make a deal with the Browns. I, I just don't think they would do that unless it was just overwhelming, and that to me isn't for either side. Like, do the Bengals really want to entertain a fifth-year option for David Njoku? I don't think so. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's the hang-up. And then uh, what was the, the other part of your question? Well, just in general, you you know, the teams like potentially the Bengals who, you know, uh, one win and if it keeps going that way, it may see some sort of a fire sale. What players potentially are on the trade block here as we come up on the deadline? Oh, yeah, I think I think that Carlos Dunlap is certainly available. John Ross potentially available. Uh, you look at at this roster and i think fans are like well make gino atkins available make you know a lot of these guys available and that's just not how the bengals operate yeah but if i'm the packers i'm absolutely calling about aj green if i'm the eagles i'm absolutely calling about aj green uh john ross the same way uh be- yeah. because those are guys that patriots. can help you. Yeah. And the patriots are another one and, and yeah. that, that's the reality is i i think that the bengals won have to figure out what they are and who's a part of the 2021 team. And if they can get value for some of these big money guys that are are slowly starting to have diminished roles, and not necessarily Atkins, I think he's the one out of all of them actually that they would probably keep, but Dunlap, he's kind of been a disruptor. Why not get a fifth round pick for him? You know? No question. Roll with it. You know, why not trade Ross to a a situation? And, And the only thing I would say about that, Ross and Green, one, they, they've believed in Green, they tagged him, and they still think he can be a, a really good receiver as of when they tagged him this offseason. And he, he's had some bad games, but he bounced back last week, so we'll see over the next couple of weeks. And two, do you really want Ross to go elsewhere and, and explode and help a contender this year because it makes you look bad? And I guess you can't worry about that, but I think there probably is something in the back of their mind. So would I entertain it? Yes. But I would also use John Ross, and I would also use AJ Green, and I would also have Dunlap in there on, you know, more yeah. than, than he is, you know. So it's it's a weird, delicate balance, and and I think the Bengals front office needs to decide wh- who they're backing. Are they backing this coaching staff? Or are they going to stick with some of these veterans? Because yeah. you're, you're probably going to have to pick between 
one of the two. And we've seen that a, a lot uh, without different locker rooms and different cultures. And my guess is, is they're probably going to back both, <laughs> not one or the other. They're going to try to smooth things over and they won't be that active at the trade deadline. But we'll see. Uh, I would be shocked, but I, I certainly think that they could hold serve instead of making a bunch of moves. Yeah, interesting. I laughed at that Njoku Ross thing because I'm thinking, okay, they play each other this week. They're two that you never see player for player trades in the NFL rarely. And in division, it just seems like a total long shot, but people are all over it on Twitter, so I had to ask you. Um, it just seems like the perfect setup, right? Like, you know, one need for one need, but uh, uh, highly unlikely. I would agree with you on that. Interesting stuff. Very interesting. A lot going on there for you, uh, certainly, to cover with the Bengals. A lot going on here with the Browns. Should be a good matchup. Uh, over and under is uh, like 50 and a half points. You think it'll go over again, shoot out like last time? I have the Browns beating the Bengals 27-23. So if it's 50 and a half, I guess I take the under. Barely. Ooh, yikes. Be- but I would probably stay away. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably would stay away, too. I, I think I'd stay away from this game altogether, uh, either side. A lot of unpredictables here. I, I'm not really sure. I'm not feeling so confident uh, in a Browns win in this one, but uh, let's hope, uh, uh, you know, I hope that uh, Baker can get right in. Uh, I think it'll be a competitive game, certainly a close one for sure. James, you're fantastic as always. I know you're a busy man. Go get the injury report. Get the uh, get all that stuff taken care of. Uh, handle your business. We appreciate your time here on All Eyes on Cleveland, and uh, I'll be in touch, I'm sure. Sounds good. I appreciate you having me. I always enjoy it. We'll talk soon, Brad. Absolutely. James Rapine, uh, Bengals reporter for Sports Illustrated, publisher of All Bengals, host of Locked On Bengals, and uh, Bengals Brawl podcast. Uh, You're the man. Thanks, James. Thanks, man. There it was, James Rapine with the Bengals report, getting us ready for everything we need to know uh, going into Sunday's matchup. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland, a show where we interview the most um, important, intriguing, top personalities in the Cleveland and national landscape discussing the pressing issues that face your Cleveland Browns. Uh, my name is Brad Ward. I'm your host. Mikey's on the ones and twos. Coming back from the interview here with James. He did a fantastic job as always. Um, I want to talk trade deadline, game keys, and a couple other uh, things to hit on here. But we've got some trade deadline heat coming out. Uh, some rumors here and there. Uh, I expect the Browns to try to be active a little bit here. Um, at least in the depth area around the trade deadline. Uh, go ahead and kill that, Mikey. Yes, I mean, I would expect them to uh, be active. You know, Howie Roseman is usually pretty active around the trade deadline, and that's kind of... I mean, we don't have a lot to go off of with Andrew Barry, right? So this is his first time through. Um, so we don't really know what his tendencies are 
for things like this, right? We mentioned, you know, we mentioned the Ogunjobi pending free agency, um, and there's some news on Ogunjobi we'll get to here in a couple minutes um, today. But, uh, you know, nothing has come of that yet. We didn't know if he would try to try to, you know, tie him up with the contract in season because you don't want potentially to let him see the free agent market because that's probably saying goodbye um, at that point. And we're getting really close to that bye week. There's been no rumors of any contract negotiations there. We didn't know how he would play that. Uh, we don't really know how he's going to play the trade deadline, but we do know that the Browns could use help in depth areas and, you know, at safety, at linebacker, and the secondary mainly. And that's where I'm going to keep my focus is pretty much the defensive side of the ball. So if we were to look at, uh, let's start with um, the Jets, who... Uh, are clearly going to be sellers here, and the Jets are going to be sellers, and they've offered, they've made it clear that they are ready to move Quinn and Williams. Um, but I guess the report is saying, and I tweeted this out, there have been no uh, serious, there have been no serious, you know, action towards him. Nobody offering that anything up for him. Nothing going on there. Not that I think the Browns would really be interested there, but, you know, they could add depth at the defensive line I wouldn't be surprised in something like that um you know another piece of that rotation could always help especially against uh you know when you're gonna face if you're gonna make the playoffs maybe you're gonna face a playoff team um he would you know certainly provide some help uh in the uh front four um depth wise you know with Elliot uh so uh, something to think about there, but no serious offers yet on the table that's uh, coming out of uh, the Jets camp. Um, they also have a safety use on the block, Marcus May. Nothing spectacular, but steady, probably above average. Uh, and Brian Poole, uh, same thing, a pretty good cornerback. He's, um, you know, uh, a... A guy that's been around, a guy that can play the position, uh, a guy that you can depend on at corner uh, if that were to become a need uh, more than it is now. I think you can do better than MJ Stewart, um, and I think you can do better than Tavier Thomas now that he's been on the field lately because you do have Kevin Johnson back. But that, that depth, I think, could you know, rear its ugly head again at some point here in the future with no greedy available. Uh, if Denzel Ward, you know, took a, a bad hit or, you know, knock on wood and or anybody, uh, Money Mitchell or, or even Johnson again, you're back right back to putting Tavier Thomas on the field on, uh, on defense. And that's not something I don't, th- I don't think you want to do that if you're the Browns. So, that's where I take this seriously if we're looking into the secondary. So let's go through a couple other secondary names here. Uh, the Eagles will probably or potentially be sellers, and we know there's a connection there with Andrew Barry. Nickel Roby Coleman is a guy that I've named on this show probably four or five times now. Uh, I like him a lot. 
Uh, he would be a great pickup to add to the secondary. They also, I would say that Jalen Mills is a guy that potentially could be shopped. He's a safety. He is above average safety, probably better than what the Browns have at Sandejo. Um, and uh, so we'll see what, what happens there. Uh, Marcus Williams uh, is certainly uh, a guy uh, that... It may be available with the Saints at the safety position. Justin Simmons would be a huge steal from the Broncos as a safety. Desmond King, a safety for the Chargers, who could be available at the trade deadline. Um, You know, guys like this that maybe aren't long for the team that they're with uh, and they're not looking to re-sign, the Browns could make a play on uh, to add to that safety room. And you could even look at a guy like Desmond King and Justin Simmons as a long-term solution next to Delpit because you don't really have a long-term solution coming back unless you consider Ronnie Harrison that, and I'm not ready to do that yet. Um, So now the main guy here that you want to keep your, your eyes on and I think would be ideal, certainly, um, is Anthony Harris uh, of uh, safety uh, from the Vikings. Uh, they um, signed him to their franchise tag. I don't think they're going to do it again. They were unable to come to long-term uh, uh, agreement with him. Uh, here we are at the trade deadline again. He could be in play again, and he would be another one of those guys where you could be thinking long-term and upgrade this year with a move like that. Uh, so if we go ahead and look at... Um, now, this is coming across my phone right now as I'm doing this. but So we know the Njoku rumors, right? But uh, we don't know to what seriousness there was we talked about some of this last night i said i believed him that he didn't say that um but if they did want to move him because he is third on the depth chart now he's not getting any usage he has maybe like five six catches on the season um but either way he potentially could be a guy that the browns would maybe move to try to increase um increase their depth or strength um, in a place of weakness dealing from a place of strength at tight end, uh, which I would call that. So you have, uh, you know, Njoku here. Let's see what they're saying. Um, I spent weeks two through four on the injured reserve with a knee. He's taken the third most snaps among Cleveland tight ends in uh, two of the three games in which he's played. Um, let's see. He does a good job of reading the blitz uh, to know when to break uh, his route to catch the football. He has good instincts to find the open area against zone defenses. Uh, the issue with the four, fourth year tight end is he's a receiving tight end with questionable hands. Uh, Njoku isn't viewed as a blocker. He has extreme uh, athletic ability, which we're well aware of, uh, but not uh, the strengths. Not the strength. 
guy's absolutely jacked. That's that seems weird to say about him. Anyways, Bayer uh, here in this uh, comparison would potentially be the Philadelphia Eagles. They're saying uh, still very much in the division hunt of the downtrodden NFC East. The Eagles desperately need a tight end due to injuries suffered by Zach Ertz and Dallas Goder. Uh, with Ertz becoming a free agent after the season, there might be some value to trading for Njoku, who is more of a question uh, mark than a sure thing as a player. Give a sixth-round pick in exchange for Njoku and a seventh-round pick. Would you trade Njoku for a sixth and a seventh? I don't... I mean, come on. Really? I, I don't know. Uh, oh, man! I guess if he's going to continue to be what he is right now, but I certainly think his potential is much more than that. He could play a bigger role than that throughout the year. You don't know what injuries you're going to incur with maybe a Harrison Bryant um, or anything like that. A sixth and a seventh. I mean, oh man, that's not that's not great. That's not great, Mikey. That's really not great. Uh, if you're looking at that. Uh, Bleacher Report has 10 guys list that they keep up for this trade deadline. Um, and there's a couple names that pique my interest on their list uh, of guys that they think are going to be dealt. Guys like uh, Chris Herndon, tight end, New York Jets. Um, they got Dwayne Haskins on here. They've got A.J. Green, obvious ones. David Johnson, running back, Texans on here. Uh, Golden Tate is on here. None of those guys apply to the Browns, but to give you an idea, one guy that does is Hassan Reddick. I've mentioned his name before in the first trade deadline um, show we did. Linebacker, Arizona Cardinals. Um, he had a two-sack game against the Cowboys on uh, Monday night, uh, which was nice for him and may have, you know, helped his value a little. Um, fell down Bleacher Report's board as a guy that would get traded because of that. The Cardinals have already declined his fifth-year option in May, which sets him to be a free agent, in, you know, when the year ends in the offseason. So they don't view him a piece of their future, uh, so is he worth, you know, flipping now for some value? Um, giving his ability to get to the quarterback, um, he should be able to provide some sort of value back for them. And I, as a Brown uh, fan, Browns fan, and I would think in the Browns front office would at least want to kick the tires on that situation uh, there's a guy there with athletic ability uh, and that can get to the quarterback that can add to your linebacker room, uh, which is definitely an area of weakness. Hassan Reddick would be a guy that I would be very interested in at the trade deadline if the opportunity presented itself, and I don't think you would have to break the, break the bank to get him. Um other guys on this list, Jacoby Brissett, no, no, no. Kenny Stills, no. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan is their number one uh, person who is the edge rusher from Washington, uh, the football team, the WFTs. Um, and the WFTs, Kerrigan's their fifth guy. Um, 
five pressures, three sacks, six tackles this year. He's former one number one pick, getting a little long in the tooth. It's he still can provide pressure though, uh, but um, he seems to be a guy that would be available for the right price. Maybe a middle round pick to a fifth to a sixth. I think all these guys are going to be right around in that same range. Maybe a Reddick uh, would be a little more pricey, but worth it, in my opinion. And certainly your Anthony Harris and your Justin Simmons and your Desmond Kings, your safeties that could play that role for a, a period of time just beyond this year, uh, I would be willing to give up more for because that's one less thing you're going to have to address in the draft next year so there's kind of your rundown on the trade deadline here on all eyes on cleveland let's look quickly at uh the game and then we'll get you out of here so we heard everything here in tonight's interview from james rapine going on with the Bengals. uh it is noteworthy on the injury report that um neither uh joe mixon or hang on uh, Joe Mixon did not participate in practice today, um, and if that means he's not going to play, then that means Samaje Perrine and Giovanni Bernard, Giovanni Bernard being the first one, but Perrine would be their bigger of the two backs, the guy that I would think would probably get the majority of their between-the-tackles carries, although Bernard is a good running back, he's not... Uh, he's more of a uh, scat back uh, type than a guy that you turn around and hand it to 15 times a game. Uh, Perrine is 5'11". You probably remember him from Oklahoma, uh, 240 pounds, big boy, 25 years old, fourth round pick uh, by Washington, uh, now the uh, third back in Cincinnati, and if Mixon is unable to play, uh, he would probably get his number called, in my opinion. So let's transition over here. Let's also take a look at uh, the rest of their um, injury report, as there was another name of note, I thought, on uh, the Bengals. Yes, there is. Uh, so William Jackson the third. Uh, who is out with a concussion, did not participate again today in practice. And that was a guy that James mentioned multiple times in the interview uh, as a guy that would be crucial to their secondary, and that's an area where the Browns can take advantage, uh, certainly if they have to bring out another guy to guard Odell or uh, Landry or Higg or whoever it may be um, in the pass game and something that the Browns could look to exploit uh, mismatch-wise as William Jackson, uh, the third did not participate for the second day in a row out with a concussion. I uh, don't know if he'll be back for the game, but I would probably say unlikely with him at this point, considering he's in concussion protocol. The foot with Mixon, you just don't know. You just don't know if he's going to play or not. So something to keep your eyes on there. Uh, and when you swing over to the Brown side of the ball, injury-wise today, uh, the report is okay in that uh, you're getting a lot of guys back as full participants. Um, 
Carl Joseph is a limited participant, but he's going to play this weekend. Ronnie Harrison back full participation after he he is out of concussion protocol. Uh, those are good things there. Those guys. Uh, Sandejo, uh, limited participant after missing yesterday. Uh, kind of was hoping that maybe he would uh, stay hurt. I don't. That's terrible. I don't mean that, uh, but he just kills me sometimes. Wyatt Teller still going to miss, it looks like, this weekend. And then here's the interesting one. Sheldon Richardson pops up on the injury report today. It says Achilles did not participate. He was not even listed yesterday. So I'm taking it he hurt himself somehow in practice, in the today's workout, uh, and then did not participate the seriousness of this, we have no idea. Uh, there has been uh, no stories out on it yet, but keep your eyes peeled for what is going on with Sheldon Richardson. Obviously, a huge part of what the Browns want to do on the defensive side of the ball, and to see him not participating today in practice due to an Achilles uh, is a scary. Um, so let's find out. You know, we'll find out when the, that news breaks. What's going on with him? Just a heads up there. Besides him, Jacob Phillips did not participate, the rookie linebacker from LSU, um, who had, has had some good games, had, you know, exhibits really good speed, good tackler, uh, not participating. And then uh, I mentioned Teller and Richardson already. Everybody else was a participant in some level or another, either limited or full. So that's good. It's about as healthy as the Browns have been in some period of time uh, there. And, you know, with the trade deadline approaching, uh, you can look to try to make sure you get that roster shirt up tight for the rest of the way through, especially if you plan on being a playoff team like I think they should be. And James Rapine, our special guest today, thought they should be too. So, God damn it. How about that, James? Uh, he thinks they're a playoff team, too. Fantastic. Kevin Stefanski needs to have a plan. Uh, as I mentioned, the Browns are a little vulnerable. Tough week this week after the loss to the Steelers. We talked about the crushing, uh, you know, national pundits coming down on uh, Bake, uh, coming down on the Browns this week. This game can't get here fast enough, in my opinion. It is vital that Kevin Stefanski comes out um, and with a game plan to get Baker some easy early looks, get his confidence up if he's going to play. So here's the caveat. Ben Albright posted a photo of Baker throwing at workouts today, and he looked to be holding his chest again. Uh, no pads on. He just threw a ball and then just kind of grabbed his chest in this short little clip. So it didn't look great, like, but if we know anything about him, he's probably going to play. I would say, like, I'm betting 85 to 15 that he plays, right? Um, even though he's showing the pain and whatever, you know, game day, Bake is going to make sure he's the one out there now like I said it's vital that Stefanski gets him going early with some short easy completions get his confidence up get uh, some open you know open vision lanes for him 
Um, if you have to roll him out in the boot game, play action, but get him some good sight lines to some receivers early, that confidence will will grow quickly, and he can get into a rhythm of the game. You, we know he plays really well against the Bengals, has a great um, history of playing against them. So we want to get him started off right. Same thing with OBJ, and I'm, I care more about this than, the, than getting the run game going. The run game will be there, but get him the ball early. Maybe run a jet sweep to OBJ in the first quarter. Maybe get him the ball on a sprint out for seven, eight yards just to get a reception and a touch in, like, the first series. I think that approaching those guys with conf- getting them confidence and a connection early can only lead to good things from there on because they're the type of guys, not Baker, but Odell is the type of guy that feels involved. He takes more ownership. You're going to get more from him, I think. As then, though, like, you know, if you walk away from the first quarter and he hasn't had any catches yet, he's already kind of saying, all right, you know, what's going on here? Here we go again. You know, you, not that saying that that's how he's going to think or whatever, but you could see it going that way. Um, so make a conscious effort within your plan to get him the t- some touches early. Let's do it. I mean, we've seen him do it. We've seen Stefanski do it before, right? A concerted effort, but then it's missing some weeks. Let's let's make it a, a habit, a pattern. Let's get him involved. Let's get him involved early. The better you do that, the better off your team will be. Um, Kareem Hunt needs to have 75 yards or better and a touchdown. Dearness Johnson needs to have 50 yards or better, in my opinion. If you go for over a buck 25 against this um, Bengals defense that you rushed for 215 against with healthy Nick Chubb, uh, I think that you will be okay if you go for 125 combination of Hunt and Johnson. Uh, that's that's my feeling on the run game. Uh, he'll stay patient with the run game. They can beat up the Bengals D in the run game. Um, and uh, certainly that is their bread and butter. Remember, we talked about this offense. If they're even or ahead is when they are the most uh, efficient. Um, you can't fall behind in this game because that's where we haven't been able to prove that Baker can, you know, drop back in the pocket and get them back in a game when they're down by a lot. Um, you know, if if we look at the Colts game that the Bengals played last week where they jumped on the Colts up 21 nothing. that's a real bad scenario for the Browns because um, I heard Bernie Kosar talking about this. That's just not part of what they do or one of their strengths at this point. It's something that will develop and that they can work on, but it will take time uh, in this offense. Um, but what they do do well, obviously, is uh, run the ball, uh, play action off the run, incorporate the boot game, incorporate screens, incorporate quick stuff, uh, creative stuff um, to get Hooper open, to get OBJ touches. Um, this is what Stefanski has done really well in victories 
So let's see that on Sunday against this Bengals D, who I don't think can keep up if you come with a strong game plan. Okay, strong game plan from Stefanski, and I think you get a win. Defense needs to step up. Want to see more snaps for Ronnie Harrison. Uh, coming off a of concussion protocol, he is like the one of the top three players in PFF grades on the entire defense. Um, he needs to be on the field more, giving him more action. Uh, I feel like he is a more of a presence all the time. Uh, that he's out there and makes that defense better. So I want to see Harrison out on the field. Uh, I know he's coming off a concussion, which makes it a little bit tough, but once he's ready, he should be ready. You should get him out there, and he should be playing more snaps, maybe get uh, Sendejo a rest. I don't know what they're going to do there. It's just problematic for me. I've I've pounded the Sendejo problem into the ground, and there's really not much more I can say about it And that he's just not very good back there. Um, he struggles in the zone looking for more work. Uh, he lets a lot happen in front of his face. Um, and, you know, poor tackling at times, bad angles at times. Um, it's just, he's not great. He's this veteran that's lost a step, maybe never even had the, the speed to do it in the first place, but is getting played like a starter in this defense when he never even really was that for Minnesota, so it's it's hard to grasp and and really get behind that philosophy with Joe Woods of of him playing every single snap every single week because that's what he's doing, unbelievably. So maybe you can get Ronnie Harrison in there and take some snaps away from him uh, as your potential long term solution, uh, either at. Um, you know, free or strong, uh, they're kind of interchangeable in what the Browns are doing uh, with a lot of zone defense. I think you'll continue to see that zone defense this weekend. Um, maybe a little more man-to-man. I don't know, but I think you'll continue to see the zone because uh, you want to make this team work the ball down the field, make them go on 12, 15 play drives, take advantage of mistakes, be opportunistic, bend but don't break inside the red zone, inside the 30, um, against a a rookie quarterback who has been very good lately. Uh, So there seems like the game plan defensively. Um, Kevin Johnson is your full-time slot corner now, uh, so you don't have to worry about that as much as long as he can stay healthy and stay on the field. Uh, so there's kind of the rundown on everything. We covered the trade deadline. We had a great interview with James Rapine. Yesterday was Michael Regai. I kind of went off on everything going on with the Browns. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. I uh, feel very strongly and passionate about the things that we talked about last night. If you didn't hear it, go back and give it a listen. Uh, there's a sample of it out on Twitter, about a minute 46 of me talking about uh, what's going on there. Uh, the, the pounding that Baker is taking in the press is unreal right now uh you can't get away from it i'm sure uh so all the more important that our head coach kevin stefanski goes out make sure that he's confident make sure that he gets him some easy throws early uh incorporates odell to make sure that he can eat feel some ownership over the game i trust stefanski's game plan attack has been very good at times um That's what we called for, if you remember, after week one. And he was able to do that for multiple weeks. 
Not so much last week. Let's get back to it here on Sunday with a win over the Bengals. This has been All Eyes on Cleveland for Mikey on the ones and twos. Big thanks to James Rapine. I am Brad Ward, and we are out.